Good morning, church. Always so good to be with you here. That was kind of a good morning. Good morning, church. There we go. Amen, man. This is our time in God's Word. There is no better, sweeter spot part of this day. We continue our message series this morning, Credo, This I Believe. And again, our theme verse, we broke this down last week, and I thought that this week, why don't we just say it responsibly? So I will just start with the top line, and then you do the next. But we don't have to say the what, where, when, why, just the parts of the verse, okay? So let's just try it. Unscripted. Here we go. In your hearts, revere Christ the Lord as holy. To give an answer. To give a reason for the hope that is in you. And that is the key. Yet with gentleness and respect, we can make a point without making an enemy in the process. We continue with a big question today of what we believe. And it's, is there really a God? And how do you know there is a God? I want to take you back to a little bit of my childhood. My father uh, retired after 25 years at the Michigan State Police. And in the Michigan State Police, he did several other sub kind of occupations within it. But one of his favorites that he did for a few years was doing fingerprints for the state police. And, and I still remember this little black kit he had at home that wasn't much more than that big. It had a little powder and brush in there and some kind of tape or film. And, and he could essentially lift any fingerprint in the house he wanted. Uh, so I was always kind of nervous to touch and break something. Here, <laughs> You'll get into the cookie jar you know, too often because he could lift it and know exactly who did it. But one of the things I remember him teaching me about fingerprints is that even today, there are only three kinds of fingerprints. There is an arch, and you can look at your fingers when you have a little more light, but there is an arch, there is a loop, and there is my favorite, the swirl. Kind of looks like a whirlpool going around. And so as I was looking at my fingers, uh, even though I desperately wanted a swirl, I have ten loops. So I'm loopy most days. But you can just look at yours, and and what's amazing, you can have different ones on different fingers, uh, but what's amazing about fingerprints is that there are no identical prints on earth. Over 7 billion people on this planet right now, and only you have your fingerprints. That's God's unique signature on your body. And yes, we might outgrow our shoes and shorts and shirt sizes, but you and I will never outgrow our fingerprints. We will have the exact same fingerprints for life. The first ones were used in evidence uh, 1905. Hard to believe that long ago. But here's something, too, that, that criminals are now learning as more technology is coming out is that you cannot change or alter your fingerprints. If you're in the system as your fingerprints, you're in the system as your fingerprints, and you always will be. Even if you try to burn your fingerprints off, even if you try to file them down or not, you cannot change or alter your fingerprints. They are always uniquely you. 
even for dogs. Do you know that dogs can each be identified by their nose print? Remarkable, isn't it? And I say this, this fascinating thing, to me at least, about fingerprints, because as we push through the series and our belief in a creating God, the question that stands out to me is this. If there is a God, if God really is real, shouldn't there be fingerprints of evidence all around us in this world if God is behind everything? Shouldn't there be fingerprints? And then secondly, as we look at the fingerprints that are around us, what kind of God do those fingerprints reveal to us? If there is a God, what kind of God is He? What clues do the prints tell us? Is He a kind and compassionate God? Or is He a mean and manic kind of God or something else? We're going to look at words to Isaiah this morning uh, that were read by the Mr. Hike. Thank you very much for that. Uh, but Isaiah is writing around 700 B.C. And, and God is revealing to Isaiah and to God's people who are going to be in Babylon the kind of God that they still have. Look at these words from God about God. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, He is God who formed the earth and made it, the one who established it. He did not create it chaotic. He formed it to be inhabited. That God says this, I am the Lord. There is no other. I did not speak in secret in a land of darkness. I did not say the descendants of Jacob seek me in chaos. I am the Lord who speaks righteousness, the one who declares uprightness. Gather and come, draw near together, you refugees of the nations. They have no knowledge who carry about their wooden idols and pray to a God that cannot save. Declare and present your case. Let them take counsel together. Who told this long ago? Who declared it from of old? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Turn to me and be saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is no other. In just these words from Isaiah, we're going to look at five fingerprints of God. And they are still around us to this day. Fingerprint number one, Isaiah talked about the God who created the heavens. He is a creating God. This word create in the Bible is only used of God. It's never used of any person, a period. And so we have a God who created and not just anything. Here we're told the heavens. And you ever just gone outside of your house at night or maybe when you were camping or out on a hike and, and you just said, you know, why is there a universe? 
And what caused this universe to suddenly begin to exist? So we have to remember that we're all looking at the same evidence. It's not like scientists, Christians, atheists, evolutionists. It's not like we're all looking at different evidence. We're all looking at the exact same evidence. And the evidence is showing that this universe was not eternal. Even the second law of thermodynamics is saying that its energy in it is winding down. It had a beginning. Well, what caused all the heavens around us to suddenly begin to exist? How do we explain that? I want to take you to an experiment that was just done within the last seven years. It was in the South Pole, and it was called Bicep 2. It just sounds cool. Cooler than the ones that I did in school. <laughs> Bicep 2. But in 2014, a team of astronomers detected ripples of gravitational waves that were created violently in an inflationary event at the dawn of time, meaning this, that the universe grew so rapidly, exploded into existence so quickly that it left ripples in the patterns of light that can still be detected in the far reaches of the universe today. So that a columnist, and this was just one of many, this was from the Washington Post in 14, said, in the beginning, what the evidence shows is this universe got very big, very fast, transforming it in a fraction of an instant from something infinitesimally small to something improbably vast, a cosmos so huge, no one will ever be able to see it all. This is the premise of an idea called cosmic inflation, which is a powerful twist on their Big Bang Theory that there was this massive, explosive bang of this universe into existence, and we can still see evidence from the light rays and the far reaches going like that. That sure sounds like something else, doesn't it? Oh, we know there was a very big bang. <laughs> we just know who did the banging. God said, let there be. And it's showing exactly what science is revealing today. There was this massive explosion outward. It's still going out today. It would bend the light waves. And, and here we have this incredible heavenly host that still surround us. We have a God, Isaiah says, who created the heavens. Every day we wake up, we work, we go to sleep under this amazingly big fingerprint of God. And what does this fingerprint reveal to us about our God? That he is very, very powerful that even his word performs exactly what it says. Let there be, and it happened. And just as much today when those words say, take and eat my body and blood for your forgiveness, it's the power of his performative word as much for us today. Isaiah has another fingerprint now. He's going to hone in a little bit more. Not only is this God very, very, very powerful, but he is very, very, very intelligent. 
He is the God who, as he says in verse 18, forms and fashions the earth to be inhabited. That's purpose right there. In fact, the word fashion and form is where we get our word potter from. He yatsard, he fashioned like a pottery, he formed the earth, he knew exactly how it had to be for this earth to be inhabitable coming out of a big cosmic explosion. Here's a question. Would you agree with this statement that the more intelligent the design, the more intelligent its designer, Right? So what takes more intelligent, gluing some macaroni on a paper plate to put on grandma's refrigerator, which is still nice and sweet and cute, or what about painting the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel? See, the more intelligent the design, the more intelligent the designer. Think about it. It's school season right now. Think about it even with this number two pencil. I have an unsharpened number two pencil right here. I want you to pretend that this pencil is not here. It's relative, right? We talked about that last week. (laughs) But pretend that time is going by millions of years, billions of years, trillions of years. Would any amount of weather or rain or wind or erosion or natural forces ever create a pencil on its own? Right? You're walking on the earth and, whoa, look at this. What is this? Must be trillions of years old. Would any amount of natural forces have ever produced a pencil? No, it had to have what? An intelligent designer. Okay, let's up it a notch. Suppose that there is a tornado. F1, F2, you can make it an F5 if you want. And suppose that this tornado hits a Napa Auto Parts store. And then this tornado hits a junkyard. And then this tornado goes right over an open landfill. Is there any chance at all whether this happens? Any chance at all that a tornado could produce a functioning SUV? What does it need? It needs an intelligent designer. Not just to know all of the pieces, but then also to make the pieces come together exactly where they need to be. Folks, on a much larger scale, we're not just talking about a number two pencil or even a drivable SUV. We are talking about a universe, and within the universe, a galaxy system, and within that, a little planet that has been formed and fashioned exactly right. Why? So that it could be inhabited with human life. How right was this fashioned and formed? Look at what Dr. Francis Collins says. He is literally a world-renowned scientist. He was the former director of the National Human Genome Research Institute. He said that right now, as far as science knows, there are between 50 to maybe even more than 30 cosmological constants, all working at the same time. 
whether it's the gravitational constant, the speed of light, the electromagnetic force, the cosmological constant, the strong nuclear force, the massive difference between protons and neutrons, that are all, each of them at the same time, exactly where they need to be, so matter can coalesce and have galaxies, stars, planets, and people can exist. Here's the, if even one of those 15 to more than 30 cosmological constants, even one of them is off in some parts, even by one in a million, and even in some other cases, one in a million, a million, this universe could not be where it is now and support any life. How did we get such cosmological order out of a massive, chaotic explosion? Explosions create more chaos. But here we have so finely tuned all of these at the exact same time, even within a million of a millionth, so that life can abound. That's a pretty big fingerprint that yes, there is a God. And he is not only very powerful, but he is very intelligent. He knew exactly how everything needed to be so that you could be here now. That's a big God. And Isaiah has another fingerprint what about our universal moral code? Where does that come from? Right, Isaiah says that we have a God who speaks righteousness. He declares uprightness. If we are just the result of some random evolutionary, never meant to happen process, so that if humanity is really just a series of random accidental chemical reactions and we are just in a meaningless evolutionary cog of some kind that was never meant to happen was never meant to be here where did we all of a sudden then get this innate moral sense of right and wrong if we're just from nature do you see a moral sense of right and wrong on the serengeti what happens in the Serengeti if you are a cute little newborn? If you are physically challenged or crippled, disabled? Or if you are elderly and very exceptionally slow? What happens on the Serengeti? That means your lunch, <laughs> right? There is no respect for the newborn or the, the physically challenged or for the elderly, right? It's, that's where I'm going for my first meal because it's easier for me. If there is not a moral code that has this idea of being intentional and obligation to stand up for others, if we see injustice happening, if it's not in the nature around us, where would we get it? Why do we know that unjust murder is sinful? Why do we feel an obligation to stand up to the most severe extent to any kind of abuse or human trafficking? Why isn't there a unit in the first grade on teaching the young children how to swear? On any of the seven continents, 
Wasn't there a unit on swearing in the first or second grade? Because we know what? We inherently know that's not right. And where does that sense of not rightness come from? It comes from a God, a lawgiver who is above and outside of all his creation, who is morally good and upright, but who says uniquely, I have written my code on your hearts. That's how we know right from wrong. We're still broken. We're still sinful. It is flawed. But we know this conscience inside when something's not right. It's a reflection of our holy God. Here's one. Have you thought about this big fingerprint? We have a God who has not made himself obtruse and really hard to know. But we have a God who has chosen to speak openly and plainly. And he even had it written down for us through Moses and the prophets and the apostles. Why? So that we could know him and his ways. We're really excited in our family about this time of year. Not only is fall one of our favorite seasons with jeans and sweatshirts, but, oh, there's finally sports on TV. College football, NFL football, hockey starting up very soon. Teams are having preseason right now. Uh, there's also two weeks from the baseball playoffs, and it's, it's just a really fun time uh, to gather and watch some athletics. Have you ever tried to predict one score? And really messed it up even once. We're humble Lions fans and we do this every year. <laughs> or you ever try to predict the final four and maybe you hit on one of them? Or who's going to be in the Super Bowl and win or by how much? Man, I just want to be right once. All of the time for the whole game, the whole season. Did you ever think about that with our God? We have a God who in his predictive prophecy bats 100%. Every promise, every prophecy, every word of God happens. He hasn't dropped a ball or catch once. There are scores of these in the Bible, but I just picked three of them. In 21 B.C., 100 B.C., God told Abraham, your offspring are going to be afflicted and they're going to be captives to a foreign nation. And Abraham, this is going to go on for 400 years, but I am going to bring them out and I'm going to do it with great possessions. And guess what happened from 1875 to 1446 B.C., exactly as God said. And even in our text today with Isaiah, God said around 700 B.C., a king of, of Persia is going to rise up and defeat Babylon. And this king of Persia is going to let you go back and settle Jerusalem. Guess what happened about 160 years later? Exactly what God predicted. And God even said by name. He said not just any king. His name's going to be Cyrus. And 160 years later, guess what the king's name was? Cyrus. Every single prediction, God has got it straight. 
He's not misleading, nor is he false. Do you find that with other religions? With Buddha or the Dalai Lama or an imam or a Sikh? Do you find predictive prophecies that are right 100% of the time and you can trust every single one to happen, even some by name? That's a really big fingerprint of a really big God. And it teaches us that our God is not just powerful and intelligent and upright, but he truly is transcendent and sovereign over everything, including time that hasn't even happened yet. And the last fingerprint, and there's so many more, but hopefully this is just giving us enough, giving us a taste. This one is the most personal, and this one is also the heart of God's character. Isaiah will go on to say that we have a God who frees his captive people. And not only did he show it with Pharaoh and redeeming them from Egypt, not only did he show it just as he told them when later King Cyrus of Persia came up, took out Babylon, told all of the Jews they could go back and settle Jerusalem, exactly how God said. But we also have a God one day on the cross who would go there as his own son so that he could free all those who have been born in captivity to sin and death and the power and reign of Satan and that on Easter, Jesus could crush it. He is also the Savior, God. And verse 22 is a little bit of surprise in our text, I will say it. We would expect, verse 22, after this idolatry and unbelief of the world, we would expect words of scorn and judgment and doom and gloom. But do you know what the next words are from this God who is also the Savior God? It is a really, really big open invitation open to the Babylonians who are still surviving, open to the Persians, open to his Jewish people, and it's still open invitation to this day. This God then also says, turn to me. Turn to me from your ways. Turn to me from the ways of this world. All the ends of the earth, Asians, Africans, Europeans, Americans, Islanders, turn to me, all the ends of the earth, and be what? Be saved, for I am God, and there is no other. And so I want to leave you with the thought of just the weight of that, this God of the universe who is powerful and intelligent and upright and transcendent and your Savior. It's the exact same God who is calling out to you. Come. If you have a question or thought from this sermon and you'd like to share it with us, you can text it to that number. It's the same as our texting prayer number or texting God sightings number. And, and we're going to take some moments now and I have two questions for you from this time in God's word to share with one another, those who are here, those worshiping with us online. First question is this, which fingerprint 
is especially compelling to you that God is real. And then secondly, where have you seen his fingerprints in your midst? And how can that become part of your conversation with others? Of where, you know what, I have to share this big fingerprint of God that just happened in my life. Go ahead, take some time, share those answers with one another, and then we'll field a couple questions that might come in on the text.